The track, the drag strip, the desert challenge. Cane infiltration is found wherever there's racing. It teaches us what works. Every mile of lessons go into every cane infilter, so every filter can go to the finish. Special discounts on KN air, oil, and cabin filters. Available at participating resellers and on KNFilters.com. Some brands choose to buy recognition. NGK would rather work for a living. Time after time, track after track, season after season, the engines that continually propel NHRA teams to victory often rely on NGK spark plugs. From factory stock cars to the top fuel class, we put our name on the line. And when we finish first, which happens a lot, we go back to work. Why? Because sometimes recognition can come with a price, but actions always speak louder than words. We earn it. We own it. That's what matters to us. NGK Spark Plugs, since 1936. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars Podcast, where we talk everything motorsports marketing related, the ins and the outs, the do's and the don'ts, the turning lefts, going straights, the rumors and the gossips. We are here to entertain you in the world of motorsports. So Cameron Frey and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for rating, review, subscribe, telling 10 of your closest friends, and let's get into this week's episode. What's up, dude? Hi, dude. Just two weeks being gone. We could make this show all about my freaking ridiculous two weeks being gone, but... Dude, you've been hanging out with me too much with all that damn bad luck you got. I mean, remember, I mean, everybody knows that they don't get on a plane with me. They don't travel with me. They don't usually like to pit next to me for said reasons. And I mean, maybe we'll have to add podcast co-hosts to the list. Uh, it's dude. I'm telling you, I, I can, I can definitely throw some stuff out there, but <laughs> I will just, uh, I'm just going to hold it all in, let it fester. And I'm just going to drive like a raving lunatic. Well, we didn't everything. <laughs> we didn't last week or was it last week or the week before yeah we missed last week? week was it Wait. last week yeah no. we had will on last yeah. week yeah yep um we didn't really and get will in, didn't, so. will didn't have that much luck either <laughs> damn it We're how'd he do we'll dude. start there how'd he I, do I, not no better than me <laughs> i mean so i think I, he yeah, blowed up was, before the race uh, no, oh, no, <laughs> he didn't do that. Yeah, definitely. Didn't he, quali- do that. he qualified, uh, right? Like number five. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah. Yeah. He qualified. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was falling a little bit. How many yeah, racers and rental no. cars? Uh, shout outs did you give? Cause you're supposed to do six. How many did you get out? I didn't get any out. I did <sighs> not get any out. I, I will tell you, you one that job, one job. I screwed it up. No, for sure. 
Uh, but before we get too far into that, <laughs> folks, welcome to this week's episode of Racers to Rental Cars podcast by sponsored by NGK and KNN Filters. Uh, we're back. Last week, we were on location in Norwalk, America's Racetrack, Summit Motorsports Park. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Mr. Mullet Man himself, Will Smith, go back and download that. Give that a listen. Uh, so we talked about PDRA and his NHRA situation as far as his position being a alcohol driver and a marketing manager for PDRA. But yes, alcoholic or alcohol driver? Alcohol driver, not alcoholic. But okay. I'm pretty sure if you're in the alcohol ranks, you probably consume as much as you use <laughs> i mean there is that <laughs> i'm not sure what's not, more expensive the alcohol bill for the race car on a weekend or the alcohol bill for the usual pit crew that you would have in the alcohol ranks I, or any pit you, for that reason for that matter it's it's pretty tough it's pretty tough <laughs> nonetheless uh it was it was i gotta give quick shout outs i got to check off a couple things on my bucket list uh, last week that did not involve driving a race car. And I got to actually hold the microphone in the tower during uh, the Cavalcade of Stars Saturday night program or Saturday program, if you will, with uh, Mr. Bill Bader Jr. And that was pretty cool to be able to announce ProMod uh, and, and their other exhibition classes that they had involved. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows here on the show who Bill is. He, we've talked about him in the past. He's one of those uh, stand-up guys, third, you know, talking about uh, second generation with the third third generation, Evan running the racetrack facility uh, himself. They're just great family. If you've never been to Norwalk Raceway Park, even if you're not a drag racer, you should go because you will get, you will get the Disney experience, if you will, uh, from the Bader family. It was fun. I enjoyed announcing pro mod, uh, just as much as I enjoyed announcing with bill. Uh, so, uh, I greatly appreciate that. So that was kind of cool for me. And, uh, oh yeah, we bought streetway marketing and media. We bought 300 cups. I saw that. My wife would be so proud of you. I wondered, she didn't say anything, but I'm sure she was probably thinking, man, that's impressive. Did you pass them out to everybody or what'd you do? Was that like everybody no, on the property? Just, no, God, no. <laughs> we, we definitely fell short on being able to make sure everybody on the property got a free cup of ice cream by a little bit. And, uh, but no, we, it, was, uh, it was actually an idea that I've got to give credit to the division director. He brought it up to JB. JB sent me a text. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it just kind of spiraled out of control. It started at a hundred dollars. And the next thing I know we were at two and the next thing I know we were at three and, um, now it was fun. It was nice. It was, uh, you know, uh, thank you to the people that took time out to send us messages and, and stop by and thank us, uh, for doing it. It just, uh, man, it's hard to be upset when you get, when you're eating ice cream. I, I mean, it just really, it really is. So it was kind of a cool thing. Uh, I'm sure we'll do bigger and better next year, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. It was kind of nice to, to do something it felt good walking up there and watching people walk away with kids and they're smiling uh and we and we also had a lot of pay it forward as i i found out on saturday afternoon is the the manager of the ice cream stand said that you know he was like he goes they had a hundred people pay it forward 
and so even though they got a free cup, they gave the dollar and paid it forward to another hundred. So um, that was really cool that the people Very themselves, nice. you know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. So it was, you know, good deal. Uh, Bader family pulled it out. You know, we had a couple rough days in the rain, but the division went off, had a really good crowd. Awesome fireworks show. Another reason why you'll get the Disney experience at, at America's racetrack. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, we packed up, headed home safe and sound. I'm waiting on the proverbial crank, <laughs> crank to get <laughs> yanked so we can uh, get back on the road next week, back to Columbus, Ohio, and on to one of our other sponsors, Heartland Park, Topeka, Kansas. Travis and his team going to have a bracket race next weekend while we'll be in Columbus and then I'll get to roll through the gates at Heartland Park and uh, hang out with Travis and his team Rob Park and the D5 guys as we'll go straight from Columbus to Topeka for the double so uh, looking forward to that getting getting back out there in the further Midwest if you will but uh, mm. to go, Travis, Travis and his guys have been getting some huge attention on what they're doing there at the facility. He and his team. It was nice to see some people posting, giving him credit uh, for turning the facility around. Racers coming back that swore off the facility after five years. I think I read a post that a, a guy said he hadn't been back in three years and said he was never coming back. But everybody kept telling him it was worth it. And he showed up. And it was. So it's it's good to see that the the next generation of leadership, if you will, in the drag racing or motorsports world is uh, coming coming to the top. The cream's rising to the top and uh, Travis and his staff out there looking forward to them putting on the 10 granders that they'll be doing next weekend out at Heartland Park. So, no, that that's really cool. And I mean, it's it's nice to have a breath of fresh air every once in a while on this show. You know, here we always talk about being Debbie Downers all the time these days. So good for them. Not and, all the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, not all the time, but I mean, you, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, 94 and a half percent of the time. I mean, but the rest, I, I mean, we're, we're in like Flynn, but I mean, that's just, I mean, paperwork. I got a hate mail. I got a hate mail from Dr. Phil's staff. They really feel like that. You probably <laughs> need to come on the show. He feels like you've got some issues that he could talk out with you. I do have issues, but that's a show for another day and another host. <laughs> Man, don't, don't feel bad about the issues, dude. I told somebody the other day, I got national inquirer issues going on. Oh boy. <laughs> so, oh come boy. On over. Oh yeah, boy. yeah. Take your shoes off, lay down. Do you, are you in your, are you in a, are you in your warm and fuzzy spot? Do you feel safe? <laughs> I feel this pretty, so pretty, <laughs> so pretty. Well, th well, thank you, Cam. I, I tried to dress up for the show tonight. Look yeah, good. man, you're looking fresh, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Got that new Oakley fresh. shirt on, man. Shoot. Got, 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 got we've, talked about a, we've talked about a tire on the show about what you should and shouldn't wear, i.e. your driving suit to PRI and, you know, <laughs> like that. But, you know, Don, yeah, that'd be a shirt I'd be okay with seeing you in it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, it actually fits. It actually fits now. I've lost some weight. Thanks for not noticing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so I can wear it. Because you're hiding so. behind your microphone stand. I, I, dude, the microphone stand's as big as I am. So Looking I, I slim and trim there, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. So well, you got right, anything else to, for me or are we going straight nah, to our nah, guest? Let's get, let's get our guest in. It's, uh, it's Wednesday night as we're recording, getting lucky, trying to be back on schedule for, you know, a whole 
a whole week. one week. <laughs> <laughs> they call they call that a streak. <laughs> I mean, but nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, don't call it a comeback, but, baby. Are you got you got anything to announce or talk about over there before we get rolling? Not yet. Okay. All right. That's but cool. it's coming. Okay. It's coming. All right. Yeah. Maybe 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 cool. maybe Co- for ne- maybe for next week's show. Uh maybe. Maybe eh, if not if not next week, maybe in the next couple weeks. Yeah, you'll see something. But I, be, yeah, think, cool. things are finally rocking and rolling in Cameron's world. It only took what seems to be an eternity, but hey, eight months, but who's counting? Yeah, I mean, there's that. So, yeah, so I mean, things are, I mean, like I told Angie earlier, I was like, you know, if like y- yesterday was a really good day in Cameron's racing world, and I was like, man, I just hope something out of today happens because I had two outstanding opportunities arise my way. And if they, if they don't happen, I'm like, at least my name got like, brought up i mean that kind of made me feel a little warm and fuzzy for like a whole eight minutes so yeah so i mean there's that so oh and i do have speaking of that i do also have to give a quick shout out to paul lee who has been a guest on our show he did a competition plus feature the other day and he gave me a shout out about uh young up-and-coming fuel drivers that uh, need to help keep the sport alive and he named me in there and i thought that was pretty cool so I think very highly of so, him and uh, it's cool that he thinks highly of me. So appreciate that, Paul. So wait, so wait, so the, the people that brought your name, two people brought your name up yesterday that they weren't in a pilot truck stop reading your name <laughs> off the bathroom wall or anything. No, uh, no, sir. I, well, I don't know where they were. They very well could have been. And that could have been the reason why it was like, Oh, maybe we'll call him. He's probably got nothing okay. going on other than daddy daycare and probably ready to pull his freaking hair out. Yeah. So let's give him a shout. So, well, I just thought, I thought maybe it said for a good time, call Cameron. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I didn't know. I'm not here I mean, for a long time. Just here for a good time. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what they say on Barstool Radio. Maybe I mean, that's where if this at. is any indication, I did place some hotel reservations today. So hopefully, hey. hopefully they don't have to get canceled. So. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll everybody. And unfortunately, everybody. He placed hotel reservations at the river, so it had nothing to do with the racetrack. <laughs> Damn it, Don! Stop it. Actually, I, if I this want. all if this all comes about, I will be canceling a couple of river trips. And yeah, I had to break that news to my sister and brother in law earlier. So there you go. Yeah. Wait. All whatever. Right. I'd rather go racing. They understand. It's only been what eight months. Yeah. yeah, no, nobody's counting. Nobody's counting. All right. Well, we should get talking to our guests before, you know, like one of our other podcast stations decides to get rid of us because we talk too much about things that nobody else cares about. So, <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, get our guest in here. Let's go. We got none other Hurry than up. badass bracket racer slash dad slash ex team race pack person that I used to sponsor, but that's not why he's here. But um, yeah, no, just all around good dude. Uh, been around the bracket racing world for a very long time. And now he is wearing the promoter hat when it comes to big dollar bracket races on the West coast of all places. So that's why I thought it was pretty interesting. And we needed to call up Mr. Jesse Adams and see what he had going on in his TNA race club, as he's like to call it. And I think he might be one of the only people that, I, I'm not going to call it profited, but like excelled during the pandemic. So let's call him up and see. Let's talk about it because this all started during COVID. So Jesse, are you there, sir? 
I am here. What's happening? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, actually in a place they don't drag race anymore right now, Salt Lake City, Utah, unfortunately. Rest in peace. Yeah. Mike, Eames, Mike Eames, if you're listening, sorry, buddy. Trying to golf with Mike tomorrow, but I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> What's he doing? That is totally off topic, but is he's, Probably I know he's golfing. <laughs> Good for him, man. Good for him. Stay at home, dad. I love it. No kids. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I tried that and now I have two kids and it's, I don't want to be a stay at home dad. I want to go back to work. <laughs> anyway, I do the same thing. I just, I work from home, but you know, still seems like 75% of my time is dedicated to the kids and not getting work done. I heard that. Heard that. So tell us, so before we dive into your new race promotion situation, you've kind of driven everything under the sun and you've done, obviously, as you know, that this is a marketing show-esque type of thing. Give us your little elevator pitch of who Jesse Adams is and where you're going. And then we'll start there. I guess, uh, Third generation racer, uh, mainly followed dad around the racetrack for years. And he started me out in a street car, taught me how to bracket race in a slow car, kept me in the slow car for years. Then got, went to stock eliminator, then super comp. Then, then it, it probably about the time I was 23 or 24, when I started paying for most of my own racing, still racing with my dad all the time, but actually having to flip the bill for some of it is when I started branching out on my own and, trying to drive for other people and looking for opportunities. I, I tried to kind of well-round myself with the mechanical aspect of everything and the knowledge of the driving side. So uh, that really got my foot in the door at a lot of places and a lot of, a lot of car owners who either didn't have a driver or didn't want to drive, um, needed some help with cars. That actually, that got me in a lot of cars. Somebody saying, hey, I can't find, figure out what's going on with this thing. You want to drive it? Jump in, drive it and say, you want to keep driving it? And it just kind of flourished from there so the cool part is um i've been able to drive everything from pretty cool nostalgia front engine cars nitro funny car nostalgia nitro funny car a lot of stuff uh top sportsman top dragster and comp eliminator and i don't have any money that's the best part i'm i'm not somebody who's able to flip the bill out of my pocket i've been able to drive for guys that uh They've wanted somebody to drive for them, and, and we work together. I do the mechanical and maintenance, and, and, you know, I just work my butt off to keep car owners as happy as possible, and it's worked out really well. You know, and this sport's so expensive that some of these fast cars are uh, without a ton of money. You just can't continue to maintain them. So a lot of these guys are, are, are two or three season uh, they really put everything at it for a few years and then they get a little burned out and, and want to move on to something else. So that's pretty much where a lot of my really good rides and fast rides have gone, but I don't think I've burned any bridges. I've done a lot. Uh, I've really tried to maintain good relationships with people I've driven with for. No, absolutely. I, uh, I can attest to that. I've never really heard any bad ill will towards Mr. Adams himself. He's uh, always uh, a guy at the track that's, always willing to lend a hand to pretty much anybody that needs any help in the pits. So um, yeah, I can totally back up what you're saying. And, and we, as me and everybody else in division seven esque area um, really appreciates that because a lot of times some people just don't, they don't want to help, you know, and, and everybody gets, it's so funny. Like when you get into that mode, like it's got to be fixed right now. Like and people, you know, I used to experience it at, at race pack all the time. And a lot of people, when they're in that moment, like, they can be total jerks. And it's just like, you want to just tell them like, dude, like piss off. 
you know, like I don't need this. I'm here to have fun. And this is what I do for my enjoyment or my side living or, you know, whatever the deal is. And next thing you know, it's like these people are yelling at you and you're over there trying to help them, you know? So, but you know, so hats off to a guy like you that, you know, is a hardworking dude and, and understands that, you know, some people get stressed out and need a little help sometimes. So yeah. Don, do you know anything about that? Nope. Nothing <laughs> at all. I don't ever get stressed out. I don't ever deal with people that are stressed out. Everybody in my world is just completely and utterly harmonious. They all hold hands. They buy Girl Scout cookies and sing Kumbaya. That's why I married a Canadian. She's like a Care Bear. She has a, a cloud tattooed on her belly and she says, Care Bear stare. <laughs> yeah. You married an American. I did. Well, she's now an American, but yeah. Just, just want to point that out. Okay. Can American. Yeah. Anyway. She's American. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, Jesse. Uh, well, I hit, Don had a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so Jesse. You in the back. You've been around. Yeah, it, thank you very much. Uh, first, first time listener, long time caller. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, you got started obviously like really like the normal story of most of us, right? Where that's the majority of us we get are started with our parents or a family member or so forth, and typically at a young age, right? Before we're we're smart enough to realize that what we're doing is like the dumbest thing ever uh, as we get older, uh, especially from an economic standpoint. What put the change into you to to transition from the guy that just wants to go to the racetrack and hold on to the steering wheel to the guy that wants to go to the racetrack and give everybody else a place to hold on to the steering wheel? How did that how did that truly come across? I mean, we've got a lot of racers that turn promoters. Uh, I mean, it's like the thing it really is in bracket racing right now. It's like pretty much all the names, if you will, are putting on races, bracket races across the country. And we're even seeing it in the dirt track world. Uh, what was it for you? Was it just the money or was the money secondary? Actually, it had nothing to do with the money. So I've always had ideas like this would be cool to do this or that, but I've, I've, I always want to race. So promoting was not on my radar whatsoever. Truly 100% what got me promoting was COVID. So one day, this is about three weeks after the March meet uh, in 2020. My kid was kicked out of school. All the schools were closed. Everything was closed. So what did him and I do? We went fishing every day. We're out bass fishing and I'm looking at Facebook and I'm looking at some of the social media stuff and it literally changed overnight. People went from regular everyday guys that I get along with all the time to instant biology uh, virologists, doctors, and constitutional lawyers. <laughs> it wore me nice. out. And, and so I'm fishing and I'm, I, I make a post and I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really sick of, of, of the direction that social media is going right now. And Tony and I decided we are putting on a 32 car shootout this weekend. No rules, 32 cars. We're putting a race together. And if you weren't invited, it's because I'm just sick of what you're saying on social media. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, my phone instantly blew up. So I call up Tony, my partner. So he's the T of TNA. It's Trimp, Tony Trimp. And I'm Adams. Uh, I call Tony and I said, hey, I think I got an idea. Guys are going nuts about this. I think we can put a race on. And he said, well, why not? It's our property. You know, his, he, his father-in-law owns the property. We said, we can do anything we want to do there. Let's do it. Let's start making phone calls. 
So within about an hour of that post, we had a race scheduled for a Thursday, Friday of all time. You know, people weren't working. They were, they were sitting at home. This was like the first week of, of real shutdown. And uh, that's what we did. We put it together. That's awesome. I, liked, I, I really liked the Thursday, Friday deal. I thought that was really cool. You know, it was just, we didn't want to do it on a weekend because uh, we thought it might attract a little bit more attention. And, you know, truthfully, we kind of went over this earlier, but we need to go over it now. Uh, most racetracks, I think almost every racetrack in California is owned by a city or a county other than Sacramento Raceway is privately owned. Sonoma Raceway is privately owned, yet they're corporate. And corporately owned stuff is just as bad as something owned by a city or county. There's there's so many crazy rules that they need to follow. So SAC Raceway being a privately owned facility, we called the CDC, we called the county, our district supervisor, law enforcement. We called all of the local government agencies that we needed to call and said, hey, we want to put on this deal. Uh, we're going to have about 100 people on the property. Is there a problem with that? And while the media and the news and everybody was touting that no, everything shut down. The honest answer from them, and you gotta, you gotta realize that Sacramento County is not a big fan of Sacramento Raceway, and they still told us there's really nothing we can do to legally or in, whatever to legally enforce these rules that you're hearing. So if you guys want to do a small private event, there's nothing we can do about it. Hmm. Okay, so there it is. There you go. We put it on. Nice. And how many races are you in now? Oh, I think we're eight races deep. No, seven races. I think we're seven races in now uh, with a couple shootouts. I think we're 16 final rounds in. That's pretty cool. Nice. That's pretty awesome. And how many do you have on the docket? We've got three left in Sacramento this year and one left, uh, one up in Samoa in, in Eureka, California, which is really literally you go off the end of the racetrack there, 75 feet, you're in the ocean. Nice. That's kind of that like Verona. There's like a big cliff there too. Yeah, Verona's but, got the cliff, but this one is literally the ocean. And we're, we're going to be there July 31st, August 1st for probably the biggest, if it's not the biggest race, it'll be the biggest bracket race they've ever seen. Nice. Is that, wait, wait what's Verona? Is that a, it's eighth mile in San Diego County. Real small track. Not much one, happens. That, that's the one with the cliff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's the one that what's the one that goes into the ocean? Samoa drag strip. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's a it's a actually a very old drag strip, NHRA affiliate and everything. Yeah, I've heard of it, so, but I've never been there. Nor is um, that an eighth mile? It's it's a quarter mile facility, but there's no reason to run quarter mile there. <laughs> not if you're gonna not if you're gonna run off the end of the racetrack. I was thinking Dude. like maybe you're gonna do a three thirty race or something. No, yeah. no, no. We're going eighth mile. Golf race. carts only, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Bring your carts. Hey, at least, Call the cart. At guys. least if you're if you're going into the ocean, at least a, a golf cart would be way easier to jump out of than the race car. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. that so so. Is this been something that got attention that you've received attention or positive feedback from companies, or is this just something where it's just you and your partner racers putting on events for racers with no intent of, of growth? You're just filling the need for the time being. Is there a plan? Is there a future? Well, I mean, what are we doing for a business model or is there well, even a business model? Well, no, there is. Could we be actually, a napkin. Uh, we actually Could went full, full legit this year. So we've actually, 
got a business license and model and bank accounts where before it was all just cash right out the pocket, off the cuff. And uh, it's fun that way. We, we still pay out cash. Um, <laughs> racer, racers tend to like that. But, uh, you know, it started with our first race and then we went bigger to 64 cars and then and there's profit in it. But we're not looking to make massive profits off of it. That's one of the problems that I see personally with some of the promoters and the racing that goes on. There's places in the country that can sustain those massive car counts and those high entry fees and big profits and the big payouts. And we actually were going to put on a 50 grander in Darlington this year. And there's just too many races and too much competition. So we we decided to take that off the schedule. But like, look at two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. I've been on vacation. So uh, we had two 10 granders in Sacramento for $150 a day, $300 weekend entry, $60 buybacks. Those are like Midwest small local track numbers. People, you know, flock to those instead of going to some of the big races back there. But to race for $10,000 in California per day, that's kind of unheard of. There's only three of us really in the market on the West Coast of doing this consistently. And that would be, you know, West Coast bracket races, of, of course, the Fling brand in Vegas. And now we're doing it as well. We're not flooding the market with the 10 granders. Um, we do need to make a profit. And last race, what we have? You do the math on it, $300 weekend entry. We had 115 cars. Um, I think we paid out $40,000 about in payouts. The math doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but back to what, what uh, Don was asking. Yeah, we've started to pick up some sponsors here and there. And none of the sponsors we're going for are huge. There are people that like what we're doing. A lot of the sponsors are racers themselves. So while they're paying their entry fee at the gate, there's guys, uh, John Carvalho, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put his name right out there. He owns a little repair shop called Mazda's Plus. Anytime we have a race, he just peels off $500 or $1,000 and throws it at us. And when you get four, five, six racers do that, and then a few of these companies like Mosier's really behind us uh, pretty heavy and, and K&N, and most of it is all with product. We're not getting cash from any of these companies. Mazir, they stepped in and doing a lot of product for us. So most of the sponsorship stuff that we're getting is stuff that we give straight to the racers. We get a little bit of cash here and there, but uh, you know, they really like what we're doing and that's where we're, we're headed with it. We just want to keep putting on small events, keep our local racers happy because there's not a lot of places to race in Sacramento or in California right now. Heard that. No, I, I think what you guys are doing is great. And you know, like you said, you're talking about flooding the market and stuff like that, but honestly, you're not really flooding the market because there's nothing out here. So I think it's great. You said you've done eight or seven races in the last year, little over a year. I mean, that's not bad. That's pretty cool. I mean, look at like back East, you go to Missouri or somewhere like that and they're racing for 10 grand on a Wednesday night. We unfortunately don't get that. And I think it's, I I think it's a really good thing what you guys got going on. And I, I really hope it, it continues. I'd love to, if we get this new car done ever, um, we would love to, <laughs> to journey up there and give it a shot. Well, you know what it's like on the West Coast, and it's, it's really hard. And, and people think that I'm bashing the, the Wally chasers, but I'm not because I love racing for Wallys. I love racing divisionals and nationals and chasing points. I love the atmosphere. But we've got a lot of guys that while there's no divisional racing going on, they'll just sit at home. And this last weekend, we had like nine racers from from Oregon and Washington come down. We had some Vegas racers come up, a lot of SoCal racers come up. Uh, 
the weatherman kind of scared most people off because they said it was going to be 107 degrees. And it wasn't. It was about 101. Um, and that six degrees, when people look at a forecast, it's huge. Like so yeah, it probably, That's a big difference. It probably killed us by 50 cars. But we weren't upset. We were still happy. We put on a race that people enjoyed being at. And it was worth their while, worth their investment, and their time to come to it. I really wish we could do some three-day races, even with a just a, a low-dollar gambler on Friday. But with some of the county issues that are that are going on with uh, Sac Raceway and a few of the things, it's nice to not poke the bear. So putting on the two-day weekend events is really something that's easy easy for us to do. No, that's cool. So, so when you say that you're getting pushback. I mean, I'm trying to think about the math wise. You don't, I mean, you don't, you've got, okay. You've got West coast bracket race. They do like two a year. You got the fling that comes to Vegas, which is typically. So if you count the fling and the million, they do two a year. So you only have four rate. You only have four events that are paying over 10 grand. So I, I think you have, I think you have the opposite problem of the promoters that let's say if you drew a line, let's say we draw it in Amarillo and we draw it North and South, the East of that, we have an abundance of 50 grinders, hundred grinders, the millions, the five hundreds that those events with the pre entries and so forth that go along with that, it waters down the opportunities, if you will. It continues to, to push the, the local racers to have to decide, do I, instead of me racing at a local track or, you know, three local tracks or four local tracks in a month at 100 or, you know, $160 with a buyback or whatever in a weekend, well, I can only go race twice this month because I need to save that money to be able to put towards the 50 or the 100 or going to the million. And so it drives the the local numbers down at the local tracks for them to be able to compete at. You're out there. I mean, we've talked about what? Three racetracks? Four? One of them's not open. Sonoma's not. I mean, you know, Fontana. I mean, mean, so you've got a Fontana, never heard of her. Yeah. You've still got got this very awkward fact when it comes to drag racing and locals and their local racetracks. So let's take some good friends of mine, uh, Kelly Estes. They do one of the original 50 granders, the 64 shootout. Mm-hmm. Yep. The tracks that they run at may have any given day, any given weekend, 250 cars there. Then they come in with their brand and they run their race and they bring in 250 cars but only 25 or 30 of them are true locals. So, and those locals have, they, I think it's a, there's a feeling of thinking that, well, all these hitters are coming to town, so we can't compete. So we're not going to go there. So one thing that we have learned in the last year is by keeping our prices so low and keeping our races at five granders or 10 granders, our locals are really learning, Hey, we can compete. It doesn't matter who's here. And so That's slightly the business model is to keep our locals who have supported us from where we started, keeping them happy and keeping them coming back and just adding a little bit here and there to make a race a little bit bigger, a little bit more appealing to try to bring some out-of-towners in. The biggest problem we have is, let's say we decided, because we could do it tomorrow, 
we could put on two 25s. We would have to raise the entry a little bit. Maybe we don't have to raise it. Let's just say we get sponsored. We put on two 25 banners and we finally get some people from out of town. There was the perception that our local racers would say, you know what, I don't know if I want to even bother racing against those guys. We've been able to really knock that, uh, that mindset out of the norm and these guys will come. So I don't know if we really want to try to make a profit and, and, and do $20,000, $25,000 to win races. Um, doing our fives and tens, it's a lot of fun. It's low key. Guys come. The seriousness, the level of, of seriousness is lowered a little bit and people enjoy themselves more. I know what it's like going to local races and racing and not really caring what I do and trying things and having more of a kamikaze approach. And I get all amped up and I go to the fling and I think I'm double entered. I got $6,200 invested this weekend. I can't make a mistake. And I put so much pressure to not make a mistake of myself that I suck. Well, that's, you know. that's what you've brought up a good point. The, the entry fees is kind of my, and people are going to argue with me and say, Oh, it's because you suck at bracket racing Cameron and you never win. What I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that being, if you're 99% of the people there, you're probably not going to win. Right. So only one or two, three people win a weekend. Right. So sure. they're all paying the seven, $800 or $500 to enter. So it's hard for a, a weekend bracket guy to be like, Hey, I'm just going to go give this a shot. I mean, if not, I just want to drive my car and have a good time. Like $150. Okay. Make it three, say it's 300 bucks for two races, right? He's got two yeah. chances for 300 bucks. That's worth it to a guy. That's not really doing this for a living. He's just, that's his glamorous vehicle or whatever. He's just, or his boat. So he's just spending expendable cash anyways. And if he gets some cash back, that's awesome. You know, but it's really hard for, you know, I'll admit it too. Like for me to go to the fling, like you just said, it's, you know, five, $6,000. If you want to double enter and, and play with the big boys and do all that, like, dude, you lose first round, like five G's is a lot of money to me. Well, and and you, it's and like, you look at it and yeah. you think, so that's, that's just entry fees. You think of the fuel that you spend, oh, yeah. the race gas, the fuel there, uh, whether you stay in a hotel or not, buybacks. Um, I understand why they do it, but $180 for a buyback at the fling, that, that one buyback is more than our entry fee for a day. Yeah. And I'm not and, knocking and I, that right. program at all. I think of it's course great. Not. But if I, if, you know, if I had somebody no. backing me, like a lot of these drivers that are doing this consistently, if you do... You know, there was somebody was saying that they had invested, I forget who it was. I think Don, maybe you were telling me it was like they invested $40,000 in entry fees, like in over the process of like three months or something, and they didn't win any money back. $40,000. Like, I won't won't mention names. I mean, we're really good friends, and I probably could mention names, but I won't mention names. But there's a a good friend of mine. He went racing back east with another guy from uh, where he's at, and they had three really good weekends and they made about $45,000 by the time they got home, it covered the cost of the trip. Can you imagine? Uh, I can't, I just can't imagine myself doing it, going racing for three weeks and win $45,000 to break even. And, and right. some of these big promoters and these big races, they're awesome. 
I want to do more of them. I want to do everything. Oh yeah. I think they're great, but, but it's, it's their niche. It's not my niche. I've learned Tony and I have learned what our niche is in the West coast kind of racing world. And one thing that we've done a little bit different than, than some of the other ones also is our round money. This last race, 10,000 to win, 4,000 to runner up, 1250 for semis, 500 for quarters, get your entry back at eights. And we pay back uh, $19,700. We pay back 100%. So if it's a, we had a four car semi. So the semifinalists, uh, they, they chopped it up or whatever, but each guy would get 1250. I'm sorry. What was our semi? Our semi was a thousand. No, no, 1250. Okay, 1250 for semi. Our quarter finalist was a thousand. We had six cars in the quarters. So we only had two losers in the quarters. Rather than each of those guys get 500 bucks each, each of those guys got a thousand dollars because the round money that we have budgeted for, that gets split amongst the losers, no matter what. Let's say we had a three car semi. That one loser in the semifinal would get the full $2,500 semifinal money. We don't put it in our pocket. And that's one thing that makes it easier for us to do being more affordable and being smaller events is we can afford to do that. But, you know, look at some of these races that are maybe, I don't know, you're, you're racing 10 rounds. You've got a lot of money invested. It's very top heavy, maybe 10,000 to win, 2,000 to runner up, maybe a thousand to runner up. Right. You get a three car semi and the promoters put that extra money in their pocket. To me, that's not fair. If you budgeted a number to pay out, you should pay it out. And that's yeah. what we do. And there's no right or wrong, but that's the way I've always looked at it. And that's one thing I'm pretty happy about with what we do is what we say we pay out gets paid out. That's that. I mean, so, go ahead, Don. Now, so with you running smaller events, are you looking are you looking at the opportunity of being able to educate other individuals to try to grow at the smaller level or i mean are you doing anything to increase your participation or is it just focusing on the individuals that already are you know so embedded into the bracket racing world we've got at some of the local tracks you know of course we have the the summit et series still and a lot of the sportsman guys, they don't come to some of the bigger payout races. So I've I probably offered up 25 two-for-one weekend entries. So it's buy one, get one free to the sportsman racers who normally wouldn't come to our race. And I got to look at it like this. If I offer 20 of them to guys that wouldn't come to the race at $300 weekend entry, if I say, look, you 20 guys, I'm going to let you race both days for 150 and 10 of them show up, I just made $1,500 on entries instead of zero. So another right. thing I did, I did like, like a dozen raffles of people that were, uh, I just picked the, I picked a number, 269 miles. Uh, and I did like a dozen raffles. So if you came from over 269 miles and your name was drawn, you got a two for one entry. So it's just a way to try to get people to come at half price that weren't coming at full price. Right. Yeah, no. Well, and that's good that you're doing something to try to, to bring in that. I think that's, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what racetrack it was. I was scrolling through social media last week and I saw that a racetrack was doing education uh, prior to an event, you know, that they were working with within the local community. And I don't, I don't want to say that it was like powder puff or anything of that nature, but they, it looked like they had about 30 people 
there that they were, you know, they're on the starting line, educating them and, and trying to make them smarter about the process. Cause when, when racetracks or promoters do that, it, it absolutely positively is going to impact our sport or the potential for, for growth in our sport to create new customers. So, well, so when is, uh, what, so what you. is the next? Oh, I will tell you about, about that. So back in December, we have, we just, the schedule has been full. We can't get, on the racetrack on the weekends, but I did do something I called the TNA race class and offered it to anybody who wanted to get in, but we brought a dozen people in and we walked the racetrack and I explained to them how the photo cells actually work. Uh, the height of beams from the 60 foot beam being elevated to 10 inches, five and a half for the rest of the incrementals and show them things that one, they don't know how to ask the, the right questions. And then we brought them back from the starting line. I put a, a, a full-size practice tree right next to the tree. And we went through a series of practice tree lessons. And it's really good for the bottom bulbers. What, what I noticed is I can let the bottom bulbers uh, hit the bottom like five times and, and write their number. I use sidewalk chalk right on the sidewalk or right on the racetrack and put their numbers down. And then I unscrewed the top two bulbs and they hit the bottom bulb again. And you could see just about everybody anticipates the bottom bowl by about four hundredths of a second. And this conversation here isn't necessarily a, a educational tool right now, but I'm trying to make the racers that we do have better because I don't want them getting frustrated that they're not winning rounds or they're not winning races. I want them learning as much as they can so they can come back and keep racing and keep getting better. And I think that was really successful I've been trying. I've probably got about 25, 30 people that want to do another one. And uh, we just can't get a day on the racetrack to do it. You know, we do it in, in – I've got a beat-up excursion that I use for moving stuff around my property. And Tony uses an expedition. And we just – we make like 50 laps in a day with six, eight people in it. Um, just to show different aspects. And a lot of people are just – they're afraid to do things different. And they, they consistently lose the same way. So to – change that a little bit on the racetrack is uh, something that's been that people are seeing they're noticing and they're starting to feel better and be more confident. So they don't mind coming and investing their money into our entry fees. No, that's awesome. I actually didn't know you did that though. That's really cool. Good job, sir. Good job. All right, Jesse. Well, but tell everybody where they can go and follow along with you in out there on the West coast or keep track of what you guys are doing, trying to impact and grow our sport. Well, I really need to, I really need to make another Facebook right now. We're still in a, in a closed group because it's kind of the club feeling we we've named it. Tony and I talked about this for years. We were going to do something TNA. TNA is catchy because tits and ass, right? But it's really Trump and Adams. Nice. So, uh, so it's, it's TNA race club. And if people want to know about it, they can find me on Facebook and I'll probably open the group up or I'll make a dedicated page. That's public. We've kind of kept that club feeling, but we're up to almost 900 members on a, on a word of mouth Facebook page. And we need to make it get a little bit bigger, but most people know how to get a hold of me, especially on the West coast. We don't have as many racers as, uh, as uh, the East coast has. So, you know, TNA Race Club, that's what it's called. If they want to look it up, it's just a group. I'll, I'll make it public and I'll leave it public for a few weeks right now. And I'm sure we'll gain some members, but uh, that's what it's called. There you go. All right. 
Well, Jesse, we appreciate you taking time out while you're on your uh, hectic uh, downward spiral of a vacation and a road trip from from hell. But we're not going to go into that because we don't. We just. I, I'm trying to. I want to go. To Don's trying. Don, Don's best. trying to to make to you know brighten up the show here a little bit so we don't. Well, let's yeah. let's put it this way. Uh, your podcast is racers and rental cars. I've been stuck in a rental car for six days, and I got it for seven more right now until my truck gets fixed. So, boom. There you go. Well, I have, we have three final questions for you. Don has two. I have one. We'll make them really quick. My question to you is what's the craziest thing you've ever done in a rental car? Uh, or to a rental car. No, I like the Dude, in a rental you just car. Caught me that like, was the way. You know, the, I drive, one I, I, it's terrible. I drive like a grandpa. I drive, I, I race and I just, who try to follow. I can't give you a good answer. I'm boring as hell when it comes to driving on the street and I haven't. No donuts, no, no, no tear ups, no, no street race situations, no nitrous oxide glove box compartment. I think the worst worst I've done in a car similar to that was uh, for probably a good seven years of my driving, the fastest I ever went was in a high school teacher's car that I did an oil change on an auto shop. Nice. you know what? I'm going to go beat the shit out of this Jeep this week so we can follow up. Yeah, please do. We, uh, that'll be some great uh, content during the week and please let us know. I, and uh, make sure you get the insurance before you go and do that. Oh, yeah. Because um, we don't condone anything bad on the show. But if you were to, just make sure it's on, uh, on photo documentation so we can post it on our social media page. We will never get a rental car company to be a sponsor for the show. <laughs> Nonetheless, and these are the things that I have to deal with. Uh, all right, Jesse, two questions for you. Everybody's got to go out the door with. You get to send one Christmas card to anybody alive or dead in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? And Chris why? Forsyth. I'm going to send Chris Forsyth a Christmas card. Okay. All right. Well, there you that's, go. Uh, that's the first time Chris has gotten a Christmas card on here. Uh, <laughs> second question. You get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? Ooh, a WTF card. Uh, Alex Laughlin. Oh, all right. Okay. And why? There has to all, there's always an explanation. You can't just, it's not like writing it on the bathroom wall and there's no explanation. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't dislike the guy, uh, but damn, I've worked really hard all these years. And, uh, man, I just, just not very many people I see handed, <laughs> handed things to like that guy. He's, he drives uh, some awesome cars, and I just, I don't know, I would kill for the opportunity. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the attitude I see from people who, who – the attitude I see from people, uh, it just frustrates me. It frustrates me so bad that I can't even come up with the right words for it. I work really hard and I've tried and, and just wanted the right opportunities. And uh, it's hard to get them. And some guys just jump from the fastest to the the best, just tear shit up. It doesn't matter. Just, I don't know. That's one of them. I like, what the fuck? I just want an opportunity. All right. I mean, that's All actually right. a legitimate explanation. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. Well, the, so I, I guess you don't, I guess 
this isn't where we bring up the fact that Alex Laughlin was driving a top fuel car in, in Denver <laughs> next week. Is that, do we leave that out? Sorry, Jesse. Okay. I'll well, wait. You know, I forgot no. to push. I forgot to push your button to Mugi. My bad. <laughs> Sorry about that. Damn production team. I might've heard uh, that earlier. You know, there might've been a conversation about that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and I guess, what would you say, right? I guess you would look at, we could probably go back through. Let's, if, you know, to look through racing. And it, we could look through all forms of racing. And I guarantee you that we could all come up with individuals that have had, that we could characterize and put like in the, in the same ship with somebody that, that's able to, to go from vehicle to vehicle or deal to deal and so forth. Right. I mean, one that, one that comes to mind that hopefully we'll be able to talk to in the next couple of weeks. I mean, let's think about like somebody like Brandon Bernstein. I mean, that's Kenny's son. I mean, and he went from being on the sidelines to driving for a premier team and and then continued on through the sport on the business side behind the scenes you know think about somebody like Chad Head i mean Chad Head worked his tail off right and and so forth so uh i think about you could think about Dale Earnhardt Jr. if you really hear about some of the stories that go on with it. I, I mean we all have the there's people out there that get those opportunities and we don't under on the surface we don't understand how they got them they look very they look very giving, right? Like it just, they were sitting in McDonald's and it fell in their lap, I, you know, but, but I think all of us collectively would agree. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, you well, know, and, and it, and it doesn't, uh, and you know. part of the thing is just, it's a generation thing. Uh, look at John Forrest and Dale Earnhardt seniors, you know, senior, they started in a completely different generation where there was still pioneers these days, there's not pioneers. It's all about who's got the money and, and you, you can follow in family footsteps and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I would take the exact same advantage. But, you know, I, I actually have a lot of respect for the way Cameron's done it. Cameron's worked and worked and worked and he gets to drive. He gets to do exactly what I want to do. But then he also has a lot of letdowns that's really tough. Um, but like John Forrest, those days of, of the, the glory days of drag racing where they came up, living off hamburgers at McDonald's that they could barely afford from track to track to Wendy's, track. Wendy's, Wendy's, John <laughs> Forrest, yeah, Wendy. That's right. That is uh but that is like the coolest stuff. I, I really wish that I was a little bit more attentive when I was younger, you know, in the early eighties, I really, I watched every drag race video I possibly could, but that, that up and coming pioneer type stuff is just the coolest thing about racing to me. And now that's kind of gone. You can work really hard, but if you don't have the money behind you, you don't have the marketing skills, it's really hard to get to that level. No, the, driving, the driving right. is second nature. It's all sure. business. I, yeah, well, it's secondary. The driving is secondary. Or, yeah, I said nature. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. yeah it's no, been a it's very secondary. long day. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, all, it's all about the business aspect of it. And I, and I mean, if you – I mean, just think about it. I mean, you look at some of the announcements and stuff that people make. I mean, Alex stepped aside from running a full pro stock series because his money that he had was better spent. He could get more out of it running pro mod. And 
so that's where he went. And now he's making moves. And obviously there's got to be a backstory for the reason why he's, you know, jumping, jumping to a top fuel car for one event. I, well, I mean, there's the, the no prep car and the, the radio versus the world car and all those, like, it's amazing that he can jump in all, all of those cars and there's funding for everything. That's, that's what I say. WTF. It's all, it is really awesome. But at the same time, I just don't understand how. Well, we, we always, mean, I, we all wish we had a little Alex in us. <laughs> right. We all, we all do. I mean, I, I, from behind the scenes, I get told he puts some awesome B2B deals together. That's, that's what I get told. I mean, that's, I mean, if you don't think that it's B2B from that side, I mean, the one thing that's a consistent that's that we no longer see is his dad's not at the racetrack anymore. You know, his dad's home running a business and you used to didn't see how you, you never saw Alex without without his dad, Kenny. And so, I mean, things change, but whatever. I mean, I can totally get it. I love reading the hate. I mean, I'm sure he does, too, but I love reading the hate posts. That, that he gets in the comments when he starts trolling shit like that. I mean, I, I think our sport needs it's, you know, could you imagine some of the trolling that could have been done with John force back in the day? That would have been really cool before, you know, uh, Kelly or somebody, uh, Ashley took his phone away from him, maybe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but well, Hey, Jesse, no matter what, I want to applaud you for what you and your team are doing out on the West coast, because, it has to be done. I mean, most of us in the on the east side of the river over here look out at the west coast and go, man, those guys are hanging on by a thread. They're, I mean, there won't be a drag strip. The only drag strip they'll have over there will be Vegas. Um, but uh, you're out there. You're promoting it. You're keeping it going, uh, giving your guys on the west coast a place to hold on to a steering wheel. So uh, I applaud you for that, for keeping the, the passion and the motivation. And uh, we wish you all the best. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. You've got any announcements or things of that nature, uh, feel free to send those. And again, man, I, I think it's great what you're doing, little by uh, little out there in your little world. No, I absolutely second that, and I, I look forward to uh, once we get this new car done for Angie. I, uh, I definitely uh, sounds like a trip to Sacramento is in our future because uh, that's it sounds great. Like a you lot, know, sounds I, like I, a lot of fun. We've got a lot of people to thank, but I don't want to turn this into a into a shameless sponsor plug. So I thank the people that help us out quite often. I'll jump back on here and do that again another time. But I appreciate you just giving me the opportunity to come on and talk about TNA Race Club. Absolutely, anytime. We'll uh, we'll chat soon, and uh, hope to see you in the flesh as a racetrack uh, one of these days uh, soon. All right, guys, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Take care. Take care, take care Jesse. Safe travels. Yeah, that's cool. That again, I mean, Cam, we've talked about it numerous times that you know, I that there's just going to be nothing out there on the West Coast. It seems Dude, like, I know. And, so, and he's over there, and he's he's leading the charge, and has companies involved because there's still gearheads out on the West Coast, and people like Mazir, and of course, one of our sponsors, K and N, being involved. That's cool. Um, wish him the yeah. best. No, yeah. And from what I hear, like it, it all sounds super cool. Um, you know, I like I said, I we don't have a car, or, or else I'd probably be trying it. But my buddy Nick, he's been up there a few times. And he said he's had a really good time. So I mean, big props to them. And you know, yeah, maybe they will expand down here if we. I don't even know if Fontana's coming back, but if it did, that'd be great to to see them um, kind of expand down here a little bit. And I think he, it would it would probably continue to grow. So that's awesome. Yeah, for but sure. Don, I mean, that was. I feel like that wasn't an hour, but it was. So 
yeah, that was it. I mean, hopefully we'll have some more exciting things going on um, in the next coming weeks here as the racing season starts to really ramp up um, for you and uh, you get your car back together and, and back out there and doing your thing. And, you know, maybe I'll be sitting behind a steering wheel before, uh, before too long. I keep alluding to that, but um, we had a good week this week. So um, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what transpires with that. So in uh in more ways than one so uh, yeah so everybody keep your fingers crossed for me and uh, i hope to see y'all at a track near you well that is uh everybody's plan for that matter and as we get out of here and get off into the weekend i uh, hope everybody will stop by knnfilters.com and ngk thank them both for being part of our program and camp dude i'm uh i'm excited to get back ready to get racing again take care tell the wife we said hello glad to see you didn't blow yourself up in the neighborhood fireworks show I did uh, not. that was yeah and uh we will get together next week sounds good have a good one later Thank you for downloading this episode of Racers and Rental Cars. This episode has been brought to you in part by Streetway Marketing and Media, Voice America for all of your podcasting needs, K&N Air Filters, Manscaped.com, CBDMD, Motion Raceworks, and LB Trailer Sales. Be sure to use the RIRC promo code at any of the listed sponsors. We appre- they appreciate your business, and we'll see you next week.